Amen. Amen. You may have a seat. I think uh, one of the longings of our hearts is to be in family, to experience family. I've got a, got a great family, incredible family. And it's awesome that a lot of them are, are here this morning. My family is way bigger than that. Because of that song that we just sang, my family is way bigger than that. And God wants to bring people into his family. You know, I know that Rick Medley would do anything for me if I needed him. And I would do anything for him. And we're family. And we're brothers in Christ. And there's an invitation today to be part of God's family. That is the things that we maybe don't get at all or don't get the way we want or don't get perfectly here and there, but we, there's little tastes of them or we get little sights of them and we say, that, 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 that's what I want. That's what God ultimately wants to give. And so may that, that happen. You know, he is real. One of the things that we're pretty committed to here at a church is that God is real. You would think that's like normal for churches, but I'm not so sure. Uh, I think a lot of churches could keep right on trucking whether or not they're just going to keep doing their thing anyway. But we're here to say like, either you're here and you show up or we don't have anything. Like, this is, we're here because you are actually real. And maybe some of you um, had some moments where you sensed his realness, his presence, uh, his love this morning. Uh, That's been our prayer, a lot of us around here, that that would be true today. And if it hasn't yet... uh, I pray that we'll be before you leave this, this place. We're in a series uh, on the fear of the Lord. In the Bible, in the middle of the Bible, there's this book called Proverbs, and it's talking about like wise ways to live. And, and it says a couple different ways, like the fear of the Lord is a beginning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, it says in Proverbs 1 verse 7, meaning the, to really know reality, to really know how what's true, what's real, you start with the fear of the Lord. And then in chapter 9, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Like, if you really want to live well, like the Creator created us to live, then it starts with the fear of the Lord. So it's helpful to know that the fear of the Lord is the beginning, that that's the foundation, that that's the part that we're going to build the rest of our things on. The trouble is, we really don't know what it meant. I mean, what is the fear of the Lord? What does that even mean? And so that's what we're, we're talking about. We are going through... Week by week, just looking at, like, what is the fear of the Lord? The first week we talked about, like, part of the fear of the Lord is to live as if God is actually God. Most of us don't do that. But to live as if God is actually a God. And to keep reminding ourselves, God is God. Not others. God is God. What he thinks, who he is, that's what matters most. That's the fear of the Lord. Last week we talked about the fear of the Lord is to shun evil, shut the door on evil, turn away from evil. We don't play with evil. You don't let evil consume you. You don't consume it, taking it in all the time as if it doesn't affect you or you've got got it, you've got it. No, that's not the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is he is good and he wants what's good and he wants to bring about what's good. And so to have the fear of the Lord is to shut the door on evil because evil wants to damage us. It's tricky. It looks good. You think it's good. You think it's best. But it is to damage, so fear the Lord and shut the door on evil. Now today, we want to look at uh, 
uh, an idea of, that's associated with the fear of the Lord, and it's this. There is a fear of the Lord, a good fear we should have. And we want to set that alongside the fact that the Bible says over and over and over again, in fact, maybe the number one command in the Bible is to not fear. Do not be afraid. Do not be anxious. Don't. Fear not. Some people have, have taken all those different versions, don't be afraid, fear not, all of that, and, and added them up and come up with the number 365, that, that that command is given 365 times in the Bible as if we need to hear it every single day. Because we're going to give in to anxiety or fear or being scared of things. Here's what it says in Isaiah chapter 8, verses 11 through 12. This is what the Lord says to me. His strong hand upon me, warning me not to follow the way of this people, do not call conspiracy everything this people calls conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear, and do not dread it. The Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy. He is the one you are to fear. He is, and he is the one you are to dread. The Bible says, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. But fear God. Now, that is a... The word fear can make it feel like don't be, or to be scared of God. That is not what fear of the Lord is. It's not to be scared of God. There's a lot of other words that could be helpful, like be in awe of him, revere him, respect him. You know, he's like that. Like my, my thought of it is it's this combination of like, whoa, and wow. That is the, that is the fear of the Lord, both. Both, it's like, whoa but also like, wow, that you're drawn in. And um, what I've read over and over again is fear of the Lord is easily misleading. It's hard to understand, but we don't want to substitute a different word for it. This is the word the Bible gives us. And Timothy Keller, who's a pastor who passed away last year, but a very helpful pastor in understanding things from the Bible, at least to me, when he's talking about fear of the Lord, he mentions two reasons why we should keep the word fear. And one is, it's a, it's a word that helps remind us God is huge. We're talking about the creator of all things, including galaxies. Like, he's huge, but he's not just like big and out there. He, he's, he's overseeing atoms, molecules, he's, he's down to the detail. And he cares about us. And there's a way in which using fear helps us to have the humility that he is God and we are not. He is God and we are not. We live kind of the opposite of that most of the time. Like, it's all up to us. Or like, what matters most is me and, and if I'm happy and everything, and that's, that's what's going to make life good for me. Instead of, he is God and we are not. And that's a fear that can help. That if we get that reversed, it's not good for us. But the other thing Timothy Keller says about um, fear is that in psychology, there is this connection to our fears and what we are afraid of losing. And trying to get that sorted out. And Timothy Keller says, what we should be most afraid of losing is a relationship with God. Not that we're always worried about that, but we should care about that. Like you think about the things that you worry about. There's a, you know, there's a lot in life we worry about. There's and for good reason, I think. But more than anything, what we should be concerned about is that this is Okay. Here's a passage from 
Luke chapter 12 that gets at this. I think I started in verse 2. I did. Great. It says, There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight. And what you have whispered in the ear in the inner rooms or, you know, on your phones or whatever, the, will be proclaimed from the roofs. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I, sh- I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. By the way, that's not the devil. The devil cannot throw anybody into hell. The Lord is the judge. He will judge the living and the dead. The devil wants you to go to hell. And he will try to get you to think that living without fear of the Lord is the way to go. Because he knows the fear of the Lord gets you on a path to his love and forgiveness and goodness and promises and good things. But there is really clear. This is what you should fear. Verse 6. But now, just so you know, this isn't said to be like, so God's saying this to scare everybody. No. Look what he says next. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. He cares about you. That's the point. He cares about you. You're afraid of a lot of things. He cares about you, and he has an eternal destiny in mind for you that's good. I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. You know, I'm having this thought for the first time as I'm reading this. Is there going to be a day when there are angels and the sun says, look at, and there's angels? That's what this says. For those that will acknowledge him publicly. And by the way, that's why I'm, I've been kind of pushing on this in the last year. If you have never publicly, before a church, said, you know, I believe in Jesus. I, what, what happened today? And whatever, there's different forms of it, but that. If you've never done that, I'm telling you. You're missing out on, you know. I went, to, I went to my dad's gym. He's a principal of a school. They actually named it after him since then. I went and I shot hoops and I shot it. Like, I'm from the little kid. I got better. But I, mean, I was just, you know, because I, I dreamed being good and that people would cheer for me. Wouldn't that be the best? Angels. There's lots of angels, by the way. Cheer for me when we do this. And let me tell you how not good I am at basketball anymore. <laughs> but this thing is going to go on forever. So I'm encouraging people to do it. And it helps for some, this is not just practice, but it's like an infusion so that we're able to do it when we're out there in real life, because that's what this is talking about. It's not just talking about doing it on a church service at one Sunday. It's talking about being willing to say, he is my God out there even when it's hard. And doing it here helps. But whoever disowns me before others will be disowned before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. That's like one of the questions. I get, I remember, I get calls from somebody I don't even know. 
What is blasphemy in the Holy Spirit? I was really scared. It sounds like the thing I go to hell with. Well, let me just say the short version is, if God is nudging you in your life toward him, say yes. It's not like a one-moment thing that I accidentally said something and it's over. It's a resistance to God's who's saying, come, come be part of my family. When you're, is that as far as we go? Let's just, let's stop there. I've had enough of that one. Okay. I'm just yeah, going to run out of time. It's really the bigger deal. So, what we've, we've been, what we've been doing this series is I do a different sermon in the first service than I'm doing in the second service. So we looked at, at Saul, a guy who caused a lot of people to be afraid in the first service. He just caused people to be afraid, and he found out he was against the Lord. Like, he, the Lord says, what are you doing to me? And he's saying, like, uh, who are you when Jesus shows up? I'm just, I'm just doing stuff to people. Mm, nope, you're doing it to me, the Lord says. And then he became a person who lived for the Lord and was fearless. Was fearless. They took everything from him. They beat him. They imprisoned him. They did everything. All he cared about was, what do you do? After, after you lose the thing you were most afraid of losing and you're still okay, then you can live without fear. Whew, that's good. Okay, here we go. Here's the story of the day. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But immediately, but Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and, be and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out, his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. Um, originally, uh, Jill, if you can put the, the series image up, originally, our fear of the Lord's um, imagery was water, like big water. That was the sense of the fear of the Lord. And Camille said to me, you know, in the Bible, the fear of, of human fear is often represented in the water. So maybe that's not the best image. So we went with the mountain. That was where you'd see the mountain of God and where the presence of God. But water is often a, is symbolically, it's what we're afraid of. And so think about this story from that angle. There's another story about the water that these guys have already experienced. They're out in the water, Jesus is in the water, Jesus is sleeping, a storm comes up, and it's like they're going to die. Now, people have died in the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is not like Lake Red Rock. It's a lot bigger than that. It's more like if you're in the middle of it, you feel like you're in the ocean. So they're in this. There's not, you can't just call an SOS like S and get the Coast Guard. There's not any of that. Like that. And so they are going, and, they, and Jesus is sleeping, and they're like, you know, wait, save us. Wake up. Hey, don't you care? We're going to drown. Don't you care? And he gets up. He says, quiet, be still. Shh. Now they're really scared. Before they were scared, 
Now they're really scared. Like, what just happened? And he says, why were you so afraid? Uh, because we were going to die. I mean, like, that just seems like the dumbest question ever. Why we, well, it's pretty clear. We were going to die. And he said, don't you have any faith? Now, was he saying they shouldn't have been afraid of wind waves because they should have known that he has the Jedi superpower to shoot, even though they'd never seen it before? Maybe, maybe they just shouldn't have been afraid to die. John Wesley was like, his dad was a pastor. He did all kinds of church stuff. He prayed all the time. He did all the things. In fact, he, was, he became a pastor himself. He was going to be a missionary. He's from England. He's going to be a missionary in the colonies. The U.S. wasn't even a country yet. He's going to come to the colonies to preach the gospel. He's coming on his way on the boat, and a storm comes up. I don't know if you've ever been in a storm on a boat. I've been in a storm, but a little bit of stuff. And as much as I trust my father-in-law, who's a great sailor, I'm just like, Wow. I can see why this would be scary. People get vulnerable, and the big waves are big. Like, it's, you feel vulnerable. Anyway, lots of people died in the ocean back then. They're coming, and it's going, and he thinks he's going to die, and he is scared. Like, he can feel it. He's scared, and he looks over, and there's these Moravians, and there's his families. Moravians were willing to sell themselves into slavery to help people know Jesus. Like, they're like, you know, you, they, weren't, they didn't have a lot of fear because, like, they already feel like, I died with Christ. I'm living for him. That's all that meant. I'm living for other people to know Jesus. They didn't have a lot of anxieties and fears. They weren't worried about if they got the right clothes or if that girl liked them. Right? They're just like, boom. So they, they're going, and he sees this group, and they are singing praise songs. And they're smiling, and they look joyful. And he's like, they actually believe in God. He's been a pastor. He's going to be a missionary. And he realized, like, I do not believe in God the way they believe in God. But he wanted to. And he wrestled with God for, for months and months, I think even for years, until he showed up at a meeting with Moravians where they're reading from Luther's uh, thing on the Romans, the commentary on the Romans, and he says his heart was strangely warmed and he knew that God forgave him, even him. And he went on to be a person who led many people. I mean, the Methodist church is named after John Wesley. But it started with a realization that wasn't just like going through the motions or checking a box. It was like, do I really believe in you? Because I see people who do. And I want that. And keep going towards it until it happens. Okay, back to this story. I'm going to wrap. I'm not going to go super long on the rest of this. But so he, Jesus, sends them in the boat into the water. Now think about water as our fears. And he says, Oh, they're your fears. Now, when I say, these are my fears, then I say, if they're right there, then I'm going to go over here. I'm going to get far away from my fears. Jesus says, get on the boat and go right, I'm going to bring you right into your fears. And they go in the middle of their fears, and, and they're afraid. You know, they haven't seen any movies. They haven't even seen special effects. I mean, I, I don't know. If I saw something, I would assume like it's some sort of technology thing if I saw some, but they don't have anything like that. And somebody is walking. They're having trouble with the boat. It's hard to get the buffeted winds like, oh, it's a little rocky. No, it is like back towards a, a, a dangerous situation. And here comes, you know, this guy walking up and down on the water and they're, wah! And he's coming to them in their fears. He is coming to them in their fear. And you know what? The thing that you fear about most is underneath my feet, Jesus says, as he's walking. And there's one guy in the boat who fears him. 
He's fallen down on his feet before, at his feet before, because he's feared him. He's seen him come, and he says, if it is you, tell me to come to you. And he says, come. First starts with Jesus coming towards us. And then it's our response when we come towards him. Even though that's a little scary to actually go to him. He gets out and he goes. And then, but then when he sees circumstances and he takes his eyes off Jesus, he gets afraid and he starts to sink. And Jesus says, I got you. He says, Lord, save me. I got you. I got you. You doubted me, but I got you. Come on. That was cool. I'm guessing, you know, we get some words, but I'm guessing it wasn't just like you of little faith. And now I will walk like this into the boat and be God again. I have a feeling it was like, hey, man, that was great. You came out from me. You didn't need to doubt. I'm with you. Wasn't that awesome? Yeah. That was awesome until I went down. It was pretty awesome. And that's our invitation. Because he is coming for us. And he keeps coming. And if we say, we want you. We're scared of a lot of stuff. But we want you, he says, come. And the stuff you're most afraid of, I'm going to put underneath your feet. Because they're already under mine. And we'll do this together. And so the question is, what's our response to his invitation to come? There comes, if we've never said it before, there comes a point where we need to say, Lord, save me. I need you in my life. I don't know how to do this. I've messed up. I don't feel worthy, but save me. I need you. We've never done that. We need to do that. And guess what? If we've done that, we need to keep doing that. We don't, it's not like, oh good, he saved me, I'm forgiven, I'm, I'm, and now, now I'm on my own again. Now, in this world, we'll have trouble. But take heart, he has overcome the world. He has overcome the world. So if we're with him, we will be okay. Even when life's hard, even when our heart gets broken, we will be okay. Let's pray. God, would you uh, bring to mind things that cause us anxiety, things that we are afraid of, afraid of losing, things that we have put more of our mind energy into than we need to. Would you bring those to mind? I just want to acknowledge ways that we have given in to fear, ways that we've put other things ahead of you. We ask you to save us from those things, to even just take those things from our mind. Take the preoccupation with those things from our mind. Take them to yourself.
and let you pray on your own. If there's any way that you want to pray, Lord, save me right now. In the quietness of your heart, he's here. He is here. He's alive. He's real. He's interested. Take this space to talk to him. as we enter into this song. Some of us singing, some of us praying, some of us just letting our minds go, probably a combination of those things, but trying to connect with you. Would you show yourself to us in the way that we need it most? Would you bring to mind things that we need most? Even as we're trying to think about you and sing the songs from our heart, pay attention to the words, would you come be with us? Each one of us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.